Greetings, Cyberspace, and welcome to episode 24 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. And Angelo, this week's a very special week for us because we're not alone. And I do mean not alone in a literal sense, not a metaphorical kind of, um, uh, you know, world-building kind of way. So we have a very special guest joining us this week. Uh, yeah, and uh, we've actually mentioned him a few times before. Uh, he's our uh, favorite friend of the show so far. I mean, he's been the most active uh, Twitter follower, I think. Uh, it's uh, Rob Christofferson, uh, your UFO guy on Twitter. Uh, welcome to the show, Rob. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is fun. Minus a few technical issues uh, <laughs> before we started, but yes, definitely. Uh, it's always fun to have someone on board with us. So, Rob, you're with us for the full ride from tech to paranormal. So it should be an interesting kind of uh, road because you this morning told me that you're not uh, an Apple enthusiast at all, which I love. No, I, I am not. I've had many bad experiences with Apple, but that's okay. <laughs> so so do, I, do I just leave the show now? I'm yeah, just go. Hit, the, hit the X in the corner, and Rob and I will continue, and then we'll invite you back in and see where this goes. <laughs> it's okay, Rob. I, I still like you despite uh, this blasphemy. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's all good. Everybody has trouble with everything, right? So, um, yeah. But uh, how, how so? What's the trouble been in your past with Apple? Uh, there, I've had, I've bought and, uh, purchased two separate iPods on two separate occasions. And this is just bad timing on my part, but every time I had ever purchased an iPod, two weeks later, it would drop half, <laughs> half in price. <laughs> that, that's always wow. the way it is, though. It's awful how that happens. It, it is. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so are you equating, like, are you just saying, like, Apple products are bad, or are you just, like, a really bad consumer? Because I'm beginning to think that, like... <laughs> The bad consumer part is probably like the most prevalent one. Oh, I'm sure I'm part bad consumer, but I also uh, I purchased a desktop like years ago, and uh, it it had a disc stuck in it for years. Where <laughs> I actually got it out. I love stoking the Apple fires. This is great. Well, luckily <laughs> now discs can no longer get stuck in Apple uh, PCs. So, yeah. Uh, did say did PC? you say an Apple PC? Well, personal computer. That's that's what they are, right? They are personal yeah, computers at this I point. I guess. I, I'll let that slide. All right. <laughs> so you have one Apple thing you'd like to mention this week. There's actually not much Apple stuff this week at all. So, I mean, we've gone over the iPhone 10 and the iPhone 8 and all that stuff. Not much going on in Apple apart from a, another update, which uh, which was very boring. So... Um, but we do want to, which by the way, let me tell you, my phone suddenly, like I have a 16 gig SE and suddenly I, it lets me know I have no room because, uh, 11.01 automatically downloaded without me telling it to. So now I have <laughs> two gigs sitting there waiting to be installed. Well, you got to install them. So those two gigs get freed. Yeah. But I just, I don't want to do it in the middle of the day. Like I use my phone for active things, you know, like Look, Brian, 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 Tim knows best. <laughs> he sent you. He sent you the, the update out of the kindness of his heart. Just update your phone. Well, I'm going to give you the incredulous face emoji and then let you complain about what you want to complain about about Apple things this week. There, there, there's nothing to complain about. No, except for the fact that you want to rearrange your home screen icons like uh, an OCD type of person. Yeah, but that's not, that has nothing to do with Apple. I mean, you'd have to rearrange your home screen icons if you were on an Android phone too sometimes. It's just, I was kind of going through them and it's not, that they're in a bad position or anything. It's just that now that I'm using uh, using an iPad more, I find that 
them not being in the same place on the iPhone and on the iPad was really messing me up. So I kept trying to FaceTime somebody when I was trying to actually message them because the FaceTime icon on my iPad was in the same place as my messages icon on my phone. So I just kind of had to rearrange that. Do you guys ever rearrange your smartphone icons? I, I'm saying smartphone because I, I'm assuming, Rob, you don't have an iPhone, right? No, I have, in fact, uh, the least talked about phone ever, the HTC 10. <laughs> <laughs> HTC actually makes really good stuff, though. Yeah, they do. Can you do what you need to do with your phone? Like, can you make calls? Like, are you good with that? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, it does the, the basic normal functions of any kind of smartphone. It's just, it's not snazzy. You can't get cool, you can't get cool cases for it like you can every other phone. Because nobody makes cases. Like, yeah, that's the problem, right? When you have a, a lesser, lesser popular phone, you don't have all these people clamoring to make cases for it. Like the, the iPhone and it's mostly the iPhone case business is bonkers, but they, there's so, so much money to be made there. Yeah. Yeah, there is. It's, it's a cash cow. So just don't drop your phone. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've dropped this thing like maybe 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a tank. It is a tank. So what kind of case do you have, Angelo? Like, is it like a like the the minions? Is it like an emoji movie case? Like, what you got? I I have the Apple silicone case. You'd think I'd buy anything but the Apple case. No, of course not. You drink the Kool-Aid liberally. You share it amongst your family, friends, loved ones. But look. <laughs> so moving on from Apple. Wait, wait. Uh, I gotta I gotta ask a question, Angelo. Okay. Are, are are you part of a cult? I'm not uh, part of a cult. Are you sure? Because it seems like Apple is almost a really large cult. Look, I I pass by the store every day. Uh Uh, I I don't do anything special. I just look in longingly at the lovely computers. No, it's... it's, I, I like their stuff, but uh, no more than like I I like Nintendo stuff. I, I'd actually call myself more of a Nintendo fanboy than an Apple fanboy, if if that's possible. Are you, are you sure? Because I've listened to <laughs> all your episodes, and like, uh, there's a lot of Apple fanboy uh, action happening here. Oh, well, maybe. I don't know. So I like their stuff. Do you think that Apple is a bigger cult than CrossFit? Because today I was discussing this at work about how CrossFit is sort of like a cult once you join, right? It's like the CrossFit family. They're sad when you leave them. They won't stop harassing you. Yeah, that's... That's the whole thing, right? How do you know somebody uh, is doing CrossFit? Well, they'll tell you. <laughs> it's true. It's really For the it's record, really true. I'd rather just punch brick walls than join a CrossFit gym, but that's just me. <laughs> it is frightening. Like they, they uh, and, and welcome to the fitness portion of the Double Density podcast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I like fitness and all that, but I remember telling, uh, a friend of mine on Facebook that I was, uh, working out in my basement and, uh, her CrossFit buddies attacked me for not having a team spirit and wanting to work out with other people. And the whole reason I work out in my basement is that I hate working out in gyms with other people. So, oh, I thought it was vigilanteism. Yeah. CrossFit, not for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I donned my, my cape. There's an Apple logo on it. Um, so I feel like we've diverged for a second, but uh, most of the things we want to talk about tech-wise are like phones, right? So in episode seven, we first made mention of the Essential Phone, which is pretty much a bomb, right? Essentially. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but yeah, it's I th- it's sold just 5,000 phones since, since launch, which is 
pretty sad. I think 5,000 phones is a rounding error for Samsung and uh, So pretty much like DOA right now. Yeah, it's not it's not going to be uh, the big hit, but they I don't think Andy Rubin ever said it was going to be a big hit like any other phone, uh, like a Samsung phone or an Apple phone, but um yeah, they um I don't think they were aiming for 5,000 phones sold by this time though. No, like they wanted a lot of early adopters and it didn't happen, right? So unfortunately the essential iPhone, great in theory, in practice, is kind of whatever. So so what you're saying is it's not really essential. <laughs> yeah, correct. It's a secondary exactly. phone. Exactly. See? <laughs> Thank you for supporting me with more dad jokes. I appreciate it. <laughs> the CrossFit and Dad Joke Podcast brought to you by Gravity. <laughs> no problem. Um, but speaking of new phones, you wanted to mention that there was a Google event today, right? Uh, about new phones. Yeah, just briefly, yeah. So we're recording this on the 4th of October, and uh, the Pixel 2 was announced, among other things. But the one thing I kind of found funny, and I haven't really delved into it too much, we'll probably discuss it more when the Pixel phone comes out, uh, Pixel 2. Um, but the funny thing is, is last year they touted how that f- the Pixel had no camera bump and the headphone jack. This year, it has a camera bump and no headphone jack. So... Yeah, I, uh, how how far we've come. I think the headphone jack's a thing of the past. But um, yeah, I haven't used my headphone jack since I got my uh, AirPods, and I'm happy I don't have to use it anymore. You got it, Apple dude. Whatever you'd like. <laughs> I, I I if it was me, I would feel naked without that headphone jack. I just I I, I can't live without it. Yeah, I'm with Rob on this one. Like, I really yeah. enjoy having a good headphone jack. Like, I enjoy picking the speakers that will bring me both talk and music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, once once you get those uh, AirPods AirPods going, though, it I did have a weird phantom uh, cable syndrome for a while, where I kept thinking I had like a headphone cable like around me. But I, but after that got used to that, I can't go back to having a cable dangling from my neck. Yeah, because you look like a dude who has two Bluetooth headsets stuck to him. Yeah, that's the <laughs> only thing I'm seeing more and more ear AirPods out there, and man, do they look dumb. <laughs> there's so many things i'd like to say that i won't so let's move on something we can all agree on that is great i guess if you're into retro gaming is the nes nes classic has since been released since the last time we recorded a podcast and shouts out to everyone i know who circumvented the system and managed to pick themselves up one or two uh copies uh of the uh peripheral yeah a friend of the show alexandre from uh the rgba podcast posted a picture of uh, him finding one he said walmart came through for him so uh posted a few pics of that he was playing street fighter 2 turbo this morning pretty exciting rob any interest in picking one up uh i'm not much of a gamer but uh it would bring me back to my childhood so maybe but uh the problem is i live in um the middle of nowhere so it's kind of hard to get your hands on one (laughs) Yeah, that's the problem sometimes. I, I Brian thinks I live in the middle of nowhere as well, so I, I feel you. If I have to take two highways to get to you, dude, it's the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but look, you got to spend a good time in a backyard, and maybe you have seen some UFOs? You're, they're a licensed guy. I'm not sure what they were for, mo- for the most part, right? So, I mean, I'm, like, I, I'm also like visually illiterate when it comes to things like the solar system, so I'm a really bad person to ask about all of these things. And I mean... Uh, getting back to the SNES Classic, though, so in the states it's eighty bucks, in Canada it's a hundred bucks. Is it too much of a price tag to pay for nostalgia? I would have said no a few weeks ago, but after spending less than that on uh, setting up a RetroPie, I'd say yeah, because with the RetroPie, um, yes, it's a bit of a gray market and stuff, but 
uh, I still get my nostalgia fix. For example, uh, this afternoon, I, after I'd taken care of what I needed to take care of today, I uh, got to play like a good 45 minutes of Blaster Master, which was my first NES game that I owned and got for my birthday in 1989. So did you enjoy yourself? Did, you, did it bring you back? Really? You know what? Very much so. Um, it was hearing that music and uh, going through the mazes of that game because it was pretty much a big maze, a lot of it. Um, I had a lot of fun. I played for about 45 minutes. Like I said, I got up to level two. I'll, um, the, and also the nice thing about um, modern day uh, emulation is save states. Um, back when I was a kid, you'd die, you'd have to start over. It was pretty irritating. Now I could just save it in one spot and keep uh, getting murdered over and over again while I try to pass the spot. I'm glad that you have this crutch that you can use now. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> so let's switch gears, right? We have Rob on the line. or I guess you're on the line, right? I, I, you know, I feel like this is like an old-timey radio show. Um, you yourself are speaking into a microphone. You're, you're east of the Rockies, right? Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. You know, that's fairly so accurate. So you're speaking into a microphone uh, attached to a computer. And one of the things we like to know is, like, we're kind of curious about everyone's setup. So what is your, and you have a podcast coming later, which we'll talk about later in the show, but what is your current setup like and how did you come to decide on the setup? Uh, for me, uh, I wanted something that was relatively affordable, um, but still you could record at a decent with a decent audio quality and on Amazon they have a great deal for $80 you can get an Audio Technica ATR 2100 USB mic with a pop filter and a mic stand and it's a fantastic deal I've re- recorded a, a couple things with it and uh, I've loved the sound quality and right now in terms of my uh the computer i'm recording on uh i have hijacked my wife's laptop (laughs) (laughs) so it's so uh it's a it's an hpv uh pavilion so it's uh it's time tested and still true uh even three years old (laughs) and uh what software are you recording into uh, audacity. audacity. Oh yeah, the choice of many podcasters around the world. The lover of anyone who's ever had to do like a sound program. Like I studied communications in university, and that was like everyone's go-to is just install Audacity and see where you can go with it before you need to like pay for uh, like a digital audio interface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, and and there there's a lot of functionality with it, which which is great. And uh, you know, the dream is eventually to get to that point where you're making enough money to use like Adobe or like because uh, like you know the f- fancy heavy duty podcasts they use like Pro Tools and like I probably I, I couldn't even handle that. I don't think. I... <laughs> yeah, a lot of the shows I listen to they. Um... <laughs> shockingly there are uh, shows that talk about apple products huh. uh <laughs> they they are very much into either GarageBand, which is like the starting off point if you have a mac which mm-hmm. is what uh brian uses and um from there you go off into logic pro uh which uh usually is about 200 dollars. so it's it's not cheap but apparently there's a lot of functionality the thing is is what's interesting in audacity there's a lot of functionality in there that GarageBand uh doesn't necessarily have Mm-hmm. But it does have and stuff that uh, like stuff like strip silence and things like that, which is really helpful for podcasters, mm-hmm. uh, is available. I think in Audacity. But Brian does a great job with GarageBand. I would say. Yeah, no, for sure, and it's it's kind of like the middleman in between Audacity yeah. and sort of like the higher end stuff, like you were saying, Pro Tools before, which is, uh, you know, like a several hundred dollar investment. And you know, for our needs, it's basically two or three voices and then putting in you know sound effects and bumpers. So it does the job 
quite admirably, I find, for like something out of the box, uh, just straight up. Yeah, it, it sounds great. You know, I, I, I love it. So you've hijacked your wife's laptop. But prior to that, like, did you have computers growing up? Like, what kind of tech did you have around you when you were younger? Oh, uh, we got our first computer. It was 1992, and it was uh, Hewlett Packard. And it was, um, yeah, you played solitaire with it. Yeah. That's about all. <laughs> and then uh, about, uh, it took like 10 years or so before we got a new computer in the house, and uh, we upgraded to a Dell. <laughs> yeah, and then I got my own Dell uh, desktop, and wow, that was a big day back in 2002. Needed that for sc- more solitaire. Uh, more solitaire, and that was back in the day when um, I was ripping off DVDs. So ah. you know, <laughs> so yeah, I've come a long way since then. <laughs> well, I don't know if you've like like if there's an evolution or you've regressed, right? Because you're going from ripping DVDs to I picture you kind of bargaining with your wife and like I need this for two hours and like I'll do like the groceries or whatever if you just hand me over the laptop. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty similar. <laughs> You're not wrong. So were you like ever a big gamer or? No, not really. <laughs> Apart from solitaire, of course. Yeah, that's, that's about it. Uh, you know, I had, uh, of course we had an, uh, uh, an NES and growing up and like, the thing was, is like the only person that was good at it was my mom. So <laughs> wow. it, it, it didn't boost my <laughs> you... confidence at all. And uh... you and I totally have that in common. My <laughs> mother was really good at Nintendo and Super Nintendo growing up, so I totally understand what you mean. Yeah, uh, like uh, she beat Super Mario Brothers one, Super Mario Brothers three, uh, the Jaws video game, which I could wow. not. Uh, yeah, she was she was good. She could because you know at the end of that game you got to ram the head of that boat right into that shark, and she was damn, she was good at it. And that's a weird game too. That game is super like. Uh, opaque and trying to like get through what the hell to do through it so it's yeah. amazing that your mom got through the whole game yeah yeah i was uh i, I praise my mother you know i i now nowadays i have more respect for that game <laughs> i thought play. you were gonna say you had more respect for your mother in hindsight but all right <laughs> no just... no just the gameplay i can't i can't <laughs> sacrifice i can't sacrifice my own game you know my own game fully you know but uh, that's that's okay. That's okay. Because so, uh, medium big ups to Rob's mom, I guess, is like the best way of putting it for her skills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She could rock that NES like totally. And then we upgraded. We got the Sega Genesis after that, and nice. uh, you know it was. Uh, and the sadly, the first Mortal Kombat game I ever owned was Mortal Kombat Three. So that didn't that didn't help, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, it, it wasn't a bad system. We 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 played the hell out of it, and finally, uh, we we veered into PlayStation territory. Nice. It's mm-hmm. weird you mentioned the Genesis this weekend. I was at my parents' house, and one of my kids threw something at um, behind the couch, and I went to look, and uh, underneath, uh, like this cover, was a my dusty Sega Genesis that I found this week. I forgot to mention it to you, Brian. With that and a copy of Altered Beast. So, are you telling me that at your parents' house, there's just like randomly <laughs> hidden things that you're discovering? Yes, my parents are like my mom's in her late seventies, my dad's in his eighties. They just keep everything hanging around, except of course my old gaming mags. That's amazing, though. That is amazing. Are you saying like if I go if I go there, there's a chance that I can find a Nintendo sixty four just like under the kitchen table? 
No, I never had a Nintendo 64. My nephew had the Nintendo 64, so... But what I'm saying is that, like, they've collected things, right? So, like, there's just, like, a bunch, a mass of different things hidden everywhere. Honestly, it's it's pretty amazing when, uh, if they ever decide to move or whatever, we have quite the task at hand to clear out that place. The best garage sale of all time. It's gonna be crazy. Hey, if you if you want a good deal on some old Nintendo Power magazines, I've got a I've got a uh, a bin. Uh, you got the hookup. Oh man, uh, Angela, oh, would you like to drive down and cross a border to <laughs> oh, pick boy. up some Nintendo Power <laughs> magazines? Well, Brian and I were saying, well, one day, one of these days, we'll have to like meet you halfway. And uh, my my cat just bit me. What the hell? Riveting stuff here, Angelo. You know what happens? It happens because it happens uh, in my house. My cat does it to me all the time. She's got problems, but you know what? We we work past yeah, it. Yeah, mine's just hanging around mine right now. She really wants food, I think, but she's not gonna get it till I'm done. Yeah. So well, you better step off. Yeah. I have to. Tell you count them. I got bitten by a yeah. dog this weekend. It was the worst. Really? Yeah. I uh, I went to a. I, I ordered lunch from a restaurant. I went to the pickup counter, and on the way in, it's one of these like weird hippieish places where they let like dogs in the like the front end, like the outside part. So I got bitten by a pug that broke skin, and it was like a, a very wealthy lady who swore that like pug. everything was on the up and up, <laughs> and that her dog had all of its shots. But I still yelled at her for like a good straight like two or three minutes. That's great. Only things that happened to Brian. It's weird, like, uh, last summer I was in our nation's capital, Ottawa, and I was um, at a grocery store, and a woman said, hey, you, and pointed at me, and then opened her purse, and inside of her purse was nothing but a rat, and then I said, oh, cool, and then walked away. Um, <laughs> what? What is, what is this I, I don't know what it is, it's just, um, <laughs> people of, like, strangely-minded ways love to interact with me, and if you give them power by giving, like getting a rise out of yourself, then they win, right? So if you act nonchalantly about the rat in the purse, then you're all good in the hood. The rat in the purse. Wow. Is is Canada a lot weirder than I thought it was? <laughs> you know what? Is, yes. Is, is I'm going to say yes saying? right now, just based on everything I've experienced <laughs> in my life. Absolutely. <laughs> That's Maybe awesome. Angela and I should put, uh, put together a guide of like weird Canada, like literal things that you should watch out for. I think that would be handy, you know, especially for someone like me, because like, uh, all the, all I know about Canada, I learned from tragically hip songs, uh, watching Due South, and um, I think that's about it. I don't, I don't have, I don't have a good education on Canada. And Mr. Rod, uh, Mr. Dress Up, apparently, right? Oh yes, oh, yeah. and Mr. Dress Up, I did watch Mr. Dress did Up. Did you ever see? Up. Fun fact: My dad looks exactly like Mr. Dress Up. Seriously, with the bow tie. No, well, no bow tie, but when I was a kid, I would watch Mr. Dress Up, and I really thought it was my dad. Did your dad ever take you to a trading post and try to trade you off as a child? No. <laughs> okay, well, all right, that's problem solved. <laughs> so, Rob, what you're telling me is that you've never seen an episode of Degrassi ever? I refuse to. My wife loved that show, and I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't forgiven the world for Drake yet. So. <laughs> See, that's something else you know oh, about boy. Canada then, in that case. Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I've I've seen episodes in my periphery before, <laughs> but I've never really paid so attention. So what you do is you take the good with the bad, and you mix it together, and you get Canada. Yeah, basically the facts <laughs> of life or Canada, either is, or if that's what you <laughs> if you want to go with that. Yeah. So uh, before we finish off our our tech segment for for the week, is there are there any questions you have for us, Rob? Having listened to us for a few shows, um, no, because I'm not as tech-minded as I'd like to be, I wouldn't even know what to ask you. 
Okay, good. All right. I'm I'm hoping we can educate you through our, our through our the beginning of the show. Or if you skip through it to the straight to the paranormal part, you're you're fine with that too. It's all good. It's all good. I'm 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 love to know Angela is like how do you internet Angela? Like explain to me. How does one internet? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you go to www.google.net. Oh, the secret Google. And dot then, net? Oh. Yeah, Google.net. <laughs> and then in the in the internet box, you write how is Babby formed? It was Paul Hellier, the former Canadian Minister of Defense, that said, UFOs are as real as airplanes flying overhead. And here at the Our Strange Skies podcast, we're going to take that seriously. Starting in January, we'll be looking into UFO events, incidents, and myths that make up our American identity, from the pre-Roswell era to the post-Roswell era. We'll be covering some of the lesser-known incidents, like the Aztec UFO crash of 1948, John Everill's colonial UFO encounter, and Robert Richardson's 1967 brush with the Men in Black. We'll also be covering some of the more well-known incidents like the Roswell crash and doing in-depth profiles on people like J. Allen Hynek, Sergeant Clifford Stone, and many more. Look out for the Our Strange Skies podcast in January. In the meantime, don't forget to look up, because you never know what you'll find in Our Strange Skies. In Grey We Trust. Welcome back to the Double Density Podcast. And as we do every week, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So we're going to start with something a little personal in that, uh, Angelo, you kind of uh, received some semi-anonymous documentation via Google Drive recently, right? So I was in the Google Drives (laughs) uh, looking actually because you had sent me a few links for some uh, good books to read. And I was looking at it and I noticed there were three new um, links there. I was confused as to what they were, and they they were titled UFO or something or other. I can't remember what they were because now they're gone. I'll get to that. And it was two pictures and one HD four-minute video of um, two lights in the sky, uh, very colorful lights, actually, like rainbow colors. But it was hard to judge what was actually going on because it's, it's the same problem we mentioned in previous episodes where it's just lights on a black sky with no contact. So I had no idea what was going on, really. Um, it was a very clear image, though, but I still couldn't really kind of have any idea of what it was. And um, I had asked if you had been shared with it, because I figured it was because of the show that somebody had found my name on uh, on Google and just sent me a, a shared image. And no, you you got nothing, right, Brian? Yeah, I got nothing. I just I took a look through my shared folder and there was nothing, so it was all on you. So what I decided to do was I I created a link with it because there was a, a link that I could share, and I put it on our show notes for this week for both you and Rob to take a look, and you guys found nothing. And then when I went to look in my Google Drive, it was gone. So, mystery listener, if you're if it, if it was somebody who listens to the show, please like. Uh, go to our contact page let us know what's up because we would we were really interested in seeing um what the story behind that video was because um without a story and uh, no context we're not quite sure what we're looking at so but i will say it was a very clear um image of these lights in the sky a very very clear hd video uh, but i'm not quite sure what i was looking at which i guess makes it a ufo it makes it a ufo of a ufo 
or or the fancy term that we now we now use is uh uap right if you're one of those people unknown aerial phenomena (laughs) yes if you're one of those fancy people unidentified aerial phenomena uh i think i when i when i think of lights in the sky that's kind of the term that i go for you know especially if it's at night uh it's hard to really tell yeah, that, that comes from that book from uh, Leslie Kane, I think, really. She was one of the pr- major proponents of calling them uh, UAPs. And uh, of all people, Hillary Clinton calls them that, too. Hillary Clinton is not <laughs> one of us. She needs to get out, I'm just saying. I was really pulling for her last year because I don't remember who it was. I think yeah. it was her press secretary who was like, yes, if we get into office, we're doing full disclosure. And everyone, all the like UFO guys were like, yes, this is great. And look what happened. Yeah, John Podesta. Yeah, John Podesta was big behind that. And actually, uh, to tie it back to Leslie Kane, um, her book, uh, UFOs, uh, it's like a bunch of pilots and generals and stuff that go on the record. He he wrote the foreword to that book? Yeah, I've read that book. It's a, it's not a bad book. It's um, a little stuffy for my taste, but it's, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my story about the, the weird uh, UFO. I hope this becomes a common occurrence. It's kind of fun getting these random... Uh, semi-anonymous things i mean i saw the person's name i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say it on the show but i sent them an email i haven't heard anything back so please um if you're a listener go to our contact page get in touch with both brian and i we'd be happy to hear from you and then switching gears from that to something else that we talked about last week which was just the shag harbor incident of 50 years ago so uh this coming weekend uh which will be the first weekend in october they're actually celebrating the incident uh through a local festival yeah, it seems kind of interesting. There's um, a young man, actually, who's organizing the festival. He was, uh, was way before his time, and he's, I think he's 26. And um, part of his family were um, people that have been carrying on this tradition of talking about the Shag Harbor incident. Um, I, I can't remember. Was somebody in his family one of the witnesses? I know they mentioned one of the witnesses in the article, but it's kind of interesting to see this guy... Um, decide to start talking about the Shag Harbor incident and really promote uh, this event about it. Uh, it's, 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 I guess, what, top five Canadian UFO incidents, if not like number one, I would say, right, Brian? Yeah, based on the number of eyewitnesses and the way that like there was like uh, debris and then no debris and the way that the government was treating it as a genuine mystery in terms of its official documentation, right? Like they still haven't closed the book on it officially from what I know. The problem happens with these cases is they just keep getting older and older and older and memories keep changing and we don't know exactly what happened other than something really, truly weird did happen. So speaking of uh, clouded memories, et cetera, et cetera, Rob, when I first hit you up on Twitter to be a part of this episode, I had asked you like, hey, what would you like to talk about? And you immediately replied with um, something that is fascinating to to me in particular. Uh, And so you had said the men in black. I had said the men in black. Which is, it's one of the more fascinating phenomena to come from, like, UFO myth and, and legend and all that stuff. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting byproduct of it all. Um, uh, because the first, uh, first cases started to emerge in the 1950s, you had uh, all these people investigating UFOs and stuff like that were being hightailed by uh, people in... in black suits who are harassing harassing them day and night um but uh to kind of give the you know phenomena a little background there are two kinds of people that are affected by it uh those who claim to have seen a ufo 
and those who research UFOs and the general men in black kind of people that they encounter. Um, they all they all relatively operate in the same MO. They're always wearing black suits, ties, shoes. They're generally wearing a, a bowler or fedora hat and uh, sunglasses because, you know, Corey Hart was highly influential <laughs> back in the 50s. More Canadiana. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't you can't escape it. Um, but, uh, there's also some, uh, some strange things about them too. Uh, in certain cases you're talking about like, uh, their, their complexion and how sometimes they're very pale complected. They have no facial hair at all, including eyebrows, eyelashes, none of that. Uh, some of them, uh, put on lipstick to hide the fact that they don't have lips, which is <laughs> kind creepy. of strange. <laughs> But uh, they, yeah, they generally come out uh, and bully UFO witnesses and researchers, and uh, sometimes they're even perplexed by items such as a random pen. Yes, they are amazed by pens. <laughs> I've also read stories about things like they they were offered Jello and didn't know what to do with it. Yep. Um, yep. Did, yeah. And That's something so else that I find really, really interesting is that a lot of them seem to not be able to speak English properly, like their cadence is all off. So they they like put the emphasis on the wrong syllable or whatever. No, not even that. It's it's more that they um they don't have any inflection at all. They have no intonation. They basically uh they speak in a robotic tone, but they also don't speak in complete sentences generally. Which is yeah, that's very weird. I've also heard them just like I would describe them sort of like men uh out of time, right? Like this weird thing of like no matter what decade they appear in, it's kind of very similar in terms of, like you were saying, like their dress and the way that they act and how they, they hold themselves. It's just like they're kind of timeless. Yeah. Uh, they uh, they generally, you know, have that 50s, uh, 50s vibe, and they're usually, if they're driving a car, it's usually a 50s-era Cadillac, and it looks brand new like it just came off the lot. Yeah, that's the thing I've... I've in, in the research for this episode, I've, I came across a lot of... That and um, it seems like in pop culture they've been kind of co-opted into this to use them, um, and I think the best example are these those observers from Fringe. If either of you ever watched that show, yeah, um, yeah, where they're very bizarre. They're they I think they are literally out of time, right? Where they're they're here and there at any time they want. So those they are essentially time travelers in that case, and they're completely they have no facial hair or anything, no hair at all. And they have the hat and you see it. That, that show is great. And one of the things that I really found interesting was how they would see that same observer in different pictures. And I wish there was something of that of Men in Black. And that's the thing I came across as well is there's so few photographs or video or anything of them. Uh, there is some interesting footage of them that, that came up relatively recently. And there's one decent picture. Yeah, in 2008, I think. The, yep. the, yeah, that I think his name was uh, Shane Sovar, yep. and uh, it was um, and in Niagara Falls. Now I can't remember. I don't know if it was Niagara Falls, USA, or Canada, but uh, I'm, I believe it was Canada. See, yeah. it all comes back to us. We are weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, <laughs> you guys definitely got some weird stuff going on up there for sure. Well, I live in a UFO hotspot. I must say, uh, I I currently live in a UFO hotspot. I will tell you. Well, yeah, uh, not too far down south from us, there's a few UFO hotspots. There's uh, 
Hudson something? Where? Hudson, yeah, the Hudson Valley. Uh, Hudson it, Valley, it was, uh, it. it was a hot spot uh, back in the 80s, yeah, for about five years. Yeah, those those hot spots are always... And so you'd wonder, would, wouldn't there be a elevated uh, amount of men in black there because they come to harass people that claim to have seen UFOs and want to talk about it? That's the thing that interests me the most is how these guys are essentially bullies. They come in, kind of rough people up, uh, and force them to not uh, explain what they've seen or make them kind of go crazy at a certain point. Yeah, it's uh, and it, it, it there's like an element of randomness to it, and almost premeditation at times. Because, um, for instance, the uh, case of uh, his his name was Doctor Herbert Hopkins. He uh was investigating a UFO case. He and uh for for another uh UFO group of some kind, and he gets a call from a guy who claims to be from a New Jersey UFO group. And he wants to know if, one, he's alone, which is kind of weird to ask. But, two, he wants to know if he could talk about the case with him. So uh, Dr. Hopkins says, sure, no problem. And uh, just as soon as he hangs up the phone, because uh, he has to go out front to turn on the light, uh, his, his uh, porch light, uh, just as soon as he does it, there's a man that starts coming up the, his oh, front man. stairs. <laughs> and... Uh, this uh this guy he but to describe him he is the the pale complected no facial hair no eyebrows uh ruby red lips clearly had lipstick on he comes in and they start talking about the case but like he sounds very robotic some of the things that he says uh and and there's a great great, great quote uh from him uh at one point uh he tells him to take a coin out of his pocket. And uh, this is a quote directly from Dr. Hopkins. He said, watch the coin. And it started to develop a silver color instead of copper. And then the silver became bluish. And then the penny was getting quite fuzzy, out of focus, blurred. And then it simply was gone. It slowly dematerialized. It's like the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then and then after that, he tells him, yeah, don't uh, get rid of your UFO research. And then... <laughs> And then he, this MIB agent, or uh, I don't know if they're agents. I don't even know exactly what it is, but he's. I feel like that's something I want to discuss after this is like what exactly <laughs> you think they are. But anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah. Um, his speech starts to slow down, almost like his ba- like he runs on a battery and it's running low and he runs outside around a corner and just disappears. He was a Samsung model, probably the battery uh, runs up quicker. It may have been an HTC model. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it it has all the hallmarks of, like, a great story, right? Like, um, uh, after having been a part of this UFO incident, he's contacted by a mysterious source who then shows up to his door and then hypnotizes him and then does this weird magic trick, and then suddenly he has destroyed his evidence. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's just weird <laughs> yeah that's that's the best way to describe these guys is that they're just bizarre and we're kind of left with some people thinking they're people so actual government agents other people thinking they're robots or other people thinking that they're aliens or aliens that belong to robots right so i think there's like three 
there's like for me there's there's two and now that you've mentioned robots like three different ways of seeing it right so they're e- like they're either very awkward government agents placed on ice in between whenever they're needed or they're <laughs> uh agents not from this world pretending to be from the government um addressing a lot of things and i think a lot of the evidence sort of supports that the way that they don't understand societal conventions the way that they dress the fact that they have like slits instead of like facial features and then uh your theory of robots which it, it melds the two i guess yeah, the the robots being controlled by aliens, maybe like well, uh, like in that uh, well, there's the documentary about the Men in Black called Men in Black with Will Smith and uh, and Tommy Lee Jones, right? That's based on a true story. And several true stories, yes. Yeah. Well, there we go. Well, uh, it's not just it's not just a true story, but it's based on a comic book. Right. So one of the uh, things I was amazed to learn about Rob is that you own the original three issue miniseries of the Men in Black, which is awesome. No way. I do, yes. Uh, I found it a couple years ago on eBay for the amazingly low price of $60, which uh, it's not easy to come by. No, each uh, of those goes for hundreds each very easily. So I'm very, like, I'm happy that someone who enjoys the Men in Black owns these. So the comic, was that the first thing? Or was the comic created after the phenomena started? No, the phenomena had been around for about forty years before oh. he, before even yeah the first uh, the first kind of like primer case of the Men in Black uh, goes back to nineteen forty seven with a guy named Harold Dahl and Harold Dahl his case predates the Roswell crash by about two weeks he was uh, he was with his son and his dog in the Puget Sound and they were like pulling up old logs and. They see uh, six donut-shaped UFOs in the sky, and there's one of them that's dropping debris, and it looks like it's ha- it's struggling to to fly, so it keeps jettisoning all this debris, and uh, it it drops it on the boat, and it ends up killing his dog oh. and breaking his son's arm. Wow! And he ends up coming away with some of this debris, and like the the shady part of the story is is that he takes a picture of the debris. And a supposed Men in Black shows up at, after he'd been talking about it for a couple of weeks. And uh, he supposedly takes the photo and fogs over the, uh, the anomaly in the photo. So you can, like, it's just a picture of his hand. Huh. And yeah, and then, uh, and then they tell him, yeah, don't talk about this anymore. And for a while, he, he claimed that he made that part of it up. And then years later, he recanted that, saying, yeah, this guy did actually come to me and told me to do this, and he did this to my photo and all that crazy stuff. It kind of reminds me of a Billy Meyer situation where there's all this like weird evidence that's sort of been like manufactured, but no, no, it's totally legit, guys. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> so, yeah, I actually See, read I... about that, um, the doll story in the 1956 book, uh, They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers, which I have a PDF of somewhere lying around. And uh, it's weird that it took almost 10 years for this to sort of come to light. But I guess news back then sort of was like disseminated differently than it is now. Where it's like, a you know, a very instant kind of I'm going to click and point and read things kind of way. Yeah, because uh, realistically, that's probably the first um, modern, I would call it the first modern UFO sighting. Uh, because uh, it was like maybe a week after that, that Kenneth Arnold had his sighting while he was flying in his plane. 
and uh, but yeah, it, it, the first I had ever heard of it was when uh, UFO hunters, uh, their first episode, they actually went to the Puget Sound to see if they could find any of that uh, debris that it was jettisoning. This is a Maury Island, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's 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 arguably one of the more famous UFO incidents of that time, that 1947 time period. That they just all started and. Um, People look back at thinking that Roswell is the most interesting one, but I, I tend to think this one and is is probably more interesting because it kind of puts everything together. You have the UFOs, you have some poor dog dying, uh, you have physical evidence, and then you have the Men in Black appearing for the first time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like the culmination of everything in in one area because uh, I, supposedly there were people saying. Eyewitnesses saying that uh, it, that UFO eventually crashed, like in the woods, not far away from the Puget Sound. Man, the forties and the late forties, those UFOs are crashing left and right. Yeah, um, and there's like uh, other crash stories that you don't you don't hear a lot about in the forties, like uh, the Aztec crash in New Mexico, and a lot of them in New Mexico. Like, there's a lot of stuff happening in New Mexico. <laughs> that desert area. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just top of activity. Do you think we're due for like a new flap of of UFO activity? Like it's it's time, I think. Maybe you know, um, it it depends because like it, it there's like a there's always an element of randomness to it. Um, in you know the Hudson Valley in in the eighties, um, people were claiming that it was more like a government uh, tested like UFO almost. And that uh, it was interested in, because we had a, uh, I don't know if we still have it anymore, but there was a nuclear facility downstate. So it, it's just, it's so random at times, you know, you don't, you don't know exactly when it's going to pop up, where it's going to pop up, but uh, you never know. There's a flap right there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it would be great now because everybody has a camera. I keep saying that, but it'd be pretty amazing to be able to get all this footage and with these new phones, you get 4K video, so you can really zoom in without having to degrade the image as much as you did before. You can really pull some CSI stuff on it. Yeah, absolutely. And and then people need to listen to this podcast to know how to take those videos <laughs> properly. Yeah, we got an article. I'm very skeptical of that because I think I've explained this one before, but I feel like a lot like the the fun uh, you know conspiracy theory loving person inside of me wants to believe that the tech we have now is directly born of the uh, saucer retrievals of the 40s and early 50s. And so we, uh, our phones and our video cameras are impervious to it, which is why you see a lot more analog than digital footage of a lot of these um, aerial phenomena. Yeah, I mean, you may have just hit the nail on the head here. I mean, we got we, we got it here. We got it here. Oh. They, they, all this dang, all this dang reverse engineering, they did it so we can't even take good, good videos of their stuff anymore. Well, look, it's look, terrible. look what happened uh, at Skinwalker Ranch. You can't get a good video of anything over there, even though there's some, there's portals opening left and right and uh, crazy wolves and giant Bigfoots and all kinds of stuff happening there, and they can't get anything on tape. But Bigelow's sure he sees something there, so I'd be really interested to see what he knows. Well, I, we had, uh, I was talking with uh, Sam Fredrickson of the Not Alone podcast. Uh, we were, we talk like every day. And we, were, and we, and I stumbled across this paper that the NIDS team had written about the 
uh, January 5th, 2000, uh, UFO sightings over Illinois, like Highland, Illinois, and, and, and that area. And they came to the conclusion that what they believed the craft was, because it was supposedly a triangular-shaped craft, that it was an inflatable craft that the government had somehow constructed. And we had the theory that maybe that influenced Bigelow to create this inflatable, habitable thing that's on the International Space Station right now. Huh. That's actually really interesting because yeah. I, I wonder what Bigelow's doing over there because he, he knows something's going on and he either knows it's, he's figured out what it is scientifically and it ends up not being aliens and it's something uh, wholly natural that happens on Earth but it's uh, un, like at this point not uh, actually discovered or it's something completely alien because all that stuff about portals and these are not idiots that were over there. We've talked about this on the show and there's other places where you can uh, hear about this or actually not alone is doing their uh, a series on uh, skinwalker, which I highly recommend. Um, but there's all kinds of bizarre stuff happening there. Nobody knows what it is. Nobody can explain it and we have nothing to prove it. So it's, it's, it's such a bizarre place, and I wonder how many places like Skinwalker are on Earth where there's strange stuff happening, be it because of the Earth itself, something that's scientific, or something that's unknown and maybe paranormal. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of areas, you know, especially in the United States. Um, the, the other, like, I would say that Skinwalker Ranch has the most amount of activity happening in the smallest square foot area. Uh, Beyond that, the the Bridgewater Triangle probably is the second biggest hotspot of activity between UFOs, seeing cryptids. Um, uh, there's uh, you know ghostly phenomena left and right there. Uh, the uh, the Freetown State Forest itself it doesn't have Skinwalkers, but it has legends of what they call the Puckwudgie, which is kind of like a smallish troll that will. Um, abduct you and and kill you oh pleasant <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> native american legends they're great a yeah. lot of heartwarming stuff going on here <laughs> yeah i, I well, know like it seems like every time i'm on a podcast i bring down the mood somehow no 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 <laughs> well one of my favorite places is actually kind of a place that's sort of near us which is the bridgewater triangle right which is uh i'd probably say like um, six and a half hours from us in Montreal and like four and a half from you, Rob. So it's just south of Boston, right? So it's just like this weird thing where a lot of cryptoids apparently exist in these wooded areas in the swamp. You know, like they're kind of hanging out and there's a lot of like reports of things like mutilated animals. Um, and so, and apparently like if you really follow like the local lore back, um, it goes back a couple of centuries of like really weird stuff, like uh, where there's like weird spheres of fire hovering and then like UFOs landing. So it, it really is kind of like a closer because um, as you were saying before, like New Mexico was a hotbed of UFO activity. But like a lot of these hotspots do exist kind of like around the country. So like the Bridgewater Triangle for me is like one of those really interesting things. I don't know if I'd ever go visit mostly because I hate nature, but also um, <laughs> because of the fact that like I wouldn't even know where to start or where to look. And I think I feel like I would just spend days there not finding anything and just being really depressed. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's, it, it's you got to catch it at the right time. That's it's always what it comes down to. It's, you know, with any of this stuff, like right place, right time. 
Yeah, you Brian's been to a few haunted places. I know you've been to a few haunted places. I've I'm I guess I'm pretty boring. I guess the most haunted place I've been to is uh Disney World that has its own uh weird uh, issues, which I think one day we'll cover, right, Brian? But not now. Yeah, you and I have both discussed this because you love that place so much, and there's so many weird uh, secrets about it. Well, look, I'm probably going to go back again this summer. I'm trying to convince the family to go. You know, the kids are hard to convince to go to Disney World. Um, but uh, <laughs> your wife just refuses the, the, to talk the, to you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, the, the plan is to go again this year. But uh, yeah, there's the creepiest one I've heard about that place was in the. Um, like how they found some kid hanging from the ceiling in the uh it's a small world ride which is horrifying because that ride itself is horrifying yeah yeah it it, it really is i i've never been but it is really 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 creepy all you need to do is watch youtube videos (laughs) two words for all of you road trip yeah (laughs) (laughs) let's go find some evps at disney world let's go find some ghosts let's go talk to some real weird people there right yeah why not oh that's not hard that's not hard at (laughs) all no that and like let's go find like the swamp thing and like let's go find you know the skunk ape let's go hang out and find the skunk ape and then go to disney world that sounds like a great week i i have a feeling that uh one of us would have a limb taken off by an alligator (laughs) you know at some point it's it's just uh, my relative inexperience and with you know especially for it's not a place i want to go one it's crazy. Uh, Florida's uh, uh, America's um, Australia is what I like to call it. <laughs> it's a really good way um, of putting it. Um, it's also really humid, and and like where I live, it's God, it's deathly humid in summer up here. <laughs> oh yeah, and yeah, and and I don't wanna, I don't wanna be deathly humid like all year round. So I've been to Florida th- three times in July, and it's hot. Three times. You, Three times. That is amazing. Yeah. To your point, Rob, I'm the one who's going to lose a limb because I have a video that I've actually never shown Angela where I was on the Georgia Florida line at a swamp. Uh, A friend of mine was in a rental car as I was busy taunting alligators that had been like walking their way across the path that we were trying to drive over. And so like, I'm pretty sure my luck's going to run out very soon in terms of like getting bitten. (laughs) You've you've tested your fate, man. You're, yeah, you're, like your numbers my, up. Man. My numbers I, definitely I, up within the next you know year of me yelling at alligators and trying to find EVPs at Disney World. So, <laughs> well, we, we, well, I mean, I got my equipment. I'll pack it up. We'll we'll go on down. All right. All so right. You, so yeah. So you so Tom, like a real mix of tech and paranormal. What what kind of equipment have you used? Because I know you've done some interesting ghost hunting stuff. Yeah, I have most of the basic stuff. I don't have stuff like they have the ovulus on TV and stuff like that because, like, for me, the jury's still out on that. But uh, uh, I have uh, an array of EMF detectors. I have uh, a melmeter, which is just a, a, a EMF detector that has a temperature gauge on it. And I also have a, a plethora of... Uh, digital voice recorders and uh even uh temperature guns like mostly just the basics evps always get me because i i'm not quite sure what i'm hearing in those things but no matter what it is you're hearing whether it's like interference or whatever it always sounds pretty like horrifying it's it's pretty scary sounding stuff no matter what it is whether it's it's a false positive or it's actually the dead talking to you or whatever it's always super creepy Angelo, you haven't lived until you've you've heard on on a voice recording 
a, a ghost telling you to follow it to the next room. You haven't lived until you've had that happen. <laughs> you just made the hair stand up on my neck. To be honest with you, EVPs are totally the only thing that get me. Yeah, they, they are crazy. And yeah, the first uh, the first real investigation that I did, we uh we were we were in this lady's house. She was she was freaking out because like she felt like ghosts were bugging her all the time, and uh, I was in a different room than uh, she and another investigator was in there. They got up to move to the next room. And and they're like, uh, okay, come on with us. And then you hear you hear on the voice recording, come on, Rob. I'm like, oh god, oh god, <laughs> jeez. Yeah. So you haven't lived. You haven't lived until you caught that kind of evidence. See, that would freak out even the most hardened skeptic. Yeah. Come on, Angela. Take your kids out and do this as a family event. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sounds like fun. Yeah. I'm sure your wife won't try to divorce you after that one. Jeez. Bring her Dell. Um, bring her Dell computer, or she has an HP, right? Yeah, the the good old uh, HP Pavilion. Mm. <laughs> so coming back to close off our loop about the Men in Black, one last question, sort of like I want to pick your brains about this. Um, uh, you know, we talked about the Men in Black comic books, and of course there was the movies and the cartoon. Do you feel like maybe um, there is an element of trying to normalize ideas like the Men in Black in order to condition people to accept it, were it ever to be revealed to be like a real thing? Um, it's a, it's a tough one. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I, just because like, if you were going to do that, you, you could make a better movie <laughs> or, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love those movies, but if you made a better movie then then maybe, but, um, I don't, I don't think so. Cause I, I, I don't think there's ever going to be a time. Uh, and, and people have posed this question to me is like, uh, do you think disclosure will happen in 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 our lifetime? And I will flat out say no, never, never. No, there's no, no it's not going to happen. There's too much. There's too much to lose. There's too much uh, technology that the government's making money off of. Like we can't we we can't make money if we you know on reverse engineered you know uh, Roswell saucers if we're if we're telling them that we have it. No, we can't do that. I think there'd also be a better person to pick than Jesse Ventura from the X-Files uh, being one of the men in black. I don't know if you guys ever saw that episode. Oh, yeah, from Jose Jones from Outer Space. I love that episode. <laughs> yeah, because you got Jesse Ventura just rolling up into your garage <laughs> saying, saying <laughs> UFOs are most often mistaken for the planet Venus. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, so I'm going so to flip this to one last question for you guys before we close this off. Um, who is the ideal spokesperson for disclosure if ever it were come to come down? Because clearly it's not Jesse Ventura. So who would you pick, uh, you know, someone famous or infamous that, you know, has to get up on that podium and sort of like discuss disclosure and start revealing things? Like, who would you pick? Oh, they've already picked that person. They've already picked him. It is the one and only Tom DeLonge of Blink-182. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Has he still not dropped that bomb that he was supposed to drop back in May? Like, I haven't seen anything about this, and I'm still waiting, Tom. No, he still still hasn't dropped it, but his books are entertaining. See? Even though, like, most of his books are not him. They're co-written, so um, they may be, you know, they may have nuggets of ideas from, you know, Tom himself, but, like, they're not his books, really. See, well, I, I have the perfect pick because it's, it's a famous, relatively famous person who's had his own dealings with the men in black, and that would be Dan Aykroyd. Oh, that's yeah, a good one. Um, 
uh, well, Dan Aykroyd's an interesting choice because, I mean, he has him and his family, like his, him and his brother, you know, they have a lifelong uh, relationship with the paranormal going back to their childhood because, like, his, like, family would would do seances in their house and stuff like that. Well, that's so, what we do in Canada, right? Oh, do you? He's, you know, <laughs> he is Canadian, right? Yeah, I him and so. his brother Peter, yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, honestly, uh, if I'm going to pick the best person to do this... There's only one person that I can think of off the top of my head that can even sell it to us. And he can do it in an HBO-style documentary. I don't care. The one and only Tom Hanks. That's the only oh, one. That's oh, all we need. That's Tom. a good one. Yeah. Because he'll sell it to you. Yeah, he'll sell sure. that to you, oh, no yeah. problem. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd's too jokey. Oh, yeah. I don't think Dan Aykroyd has recovered from that time that he brought the Tragically Hip onto Saturday Night Live and they totally bombed. And, like, I love those performances. Don't get me wrong. But, like, it didn't help them in the States. That's... No. No. I mean, there were all these popular in border towns, right? Like, they were huge in Buffalo and things like that. So, like, they had their niche, I guess. Um, but it's a very good point that they didn't do that well with the national audience. And and there's really one odd tiny pocket, well, two, that they're pretty well known in austin texas and uh new orleans because they used to record new orleans for like the first i don't know few albums new orleans is singing yeah yeah man i've done that i've done that karaoke style at a bar nice at midnight you know that's how you do it that's how you get the men in black to come watch you (laughs) no it was actually this guy named johnny and he just wouldn't leave me alone (laughs) either or it's all good did he try and erase your memory with more booze uh no, but you know what? I think I did that myself. So maybe I self MIB. So you know, <laughs> you always got to watch out for that self MIB. It'll get you, and then you'll forget and burn all of your research uh, in an instant, or smash your computer, or you know whatever it is that they're trying to make sure that you don't get to in order to like reveal the truth, right? Uh yeah. As long as I don't start intimidating myself to throw it out, <laughs> you know that's the main thing. So my pick uh, for Disclosure Chief would be Rush's very own Getty Lee, because I feel like he has this way about him that he can sort of uh, make his legions of fans believe without actually seeming uh, too serious about the subject. So I'm going to sort of like (laughs) throw that out there as like a left field kind of decision. I would also propose that he is an alien himself. You know what? It's not too far off. Not too far off, yeah. He's got the... He's got. He's definitely got the look, you know. Oh yeah, he, yeah. And that voice, yeah, yeah, that's total alien. So yeah, my decision is either him or Kanye West, which I think would have its own <laughs> level of like so much fun to watch. Um, it would be like the way uh, Dennis Rodman interacts with Kim Jong Un <laughs> for sure. He's going to bring peace that's in a lifetime, you know. That Dennis Rodman, I believe. In um, him. I I didn't even believe in him back in the '90s when he was playing for the Bulls. <laughs> Or, or starring in the best movie of all time, Double Team, with Jean-Claude Van Damme? Uh, I try not to think about that one. But, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's more nightmare-inducing <laughs> than an EVP. It's time to self-MIB that one, I think. It might be. It might be time to... I, I'm going to forget it right after this call, I guarantee you. <laughs> uh, so we're going to close the lid on all things paranormal. Rob, it's been so much fun having you. Where can we find you on the internet? Uh, I am available. You can find me on Twitter... At your UFO guy, Y-E-R-U-F-O guy. And my upcoming podcast, the Our Strange Skies podcast, which is going to explore UFOs throughout history. Uh, We have a Twitter page, at Our Strange Skies. 
and we also have a Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash ourstrangeguys. And you're also making regular appearances on other people's podcasts, such as ours, which is great because I've heard you a couple of times and I knew that like you're an ideal guest for us because we're sort of all in the same uh, weird wheelhouse and we're all going to go to a Disney World together and hang out. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, if you want, if you want more of this madness, uh, of my madness, uh, uh, you can check out the uh, the Mad Scientist podcast. We do these great recaps of uh, Rob Lowe's show, the uh, the Low Files. We call it the Lowdown. We'll give you the lowdown. Yeah, if you weren't <laughs> going to mention it, I was going to mention it because those episodes are so much fun. Uh, they are, especially when uh, Dr. Cogswell goes off the chain, which he did uh, quite a lot the last episode. <laughs> yes, it was a good one. <laughs> Angelo, yes. Angelo, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at uh, doubledensity.net and at... Uh, I almost forgot my Twitter handle. It's at, Ange- <laughs> it's it's at Angelo Fjord. Right there. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. It's, yeah. But you can get my Twitter handle through uh, my um, Double Density page. But uh, actually, we'll, we'll also have Rob's information on there, too, under our guest listing, I think. Yeah, so let's do a quick roundup. If you want to find us on the internet, you can find us over at Twitter, double underscore density, Facebook.com slash double density podcast, and Instagram at double density. And as Angela was saying, you can also find us at double density.net where you can find all of our newest episodes. And if you click on the blog link is uh, where we regularly post articles. And if you want to hit us up and contact us, there's a contact page right over there. So this has been episode 24 of the Double Density Podcast. Tune in next week as we discuss the act of accidentally reformatting your father's Windows 3.1 machine and the ensuring hell you'll pay when you can't reinstall the shareware version of Doom you've been playing. (laughs) See you guys. See ya.